welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. Well, good morning. How are you? Give yourself a hand for being at church on spring break. Some of y'all don't know this was spring break. You don't have children. My kid has been counting down this week since August. August. He skipped over Christmas break and just wanted spring break. So he told me the other day, he goes, Dad, I never have to go back to school. I said, really? Did you do something I don't know about? He goes, not yet. So uh, it's spring break. Y'all are here. Pastor Tim is leading a trip uh, with Tandy to Brazil. So there is a group of about 20 in Brazil. Last service, there was a family here that had some passport issues, and um, they were not going to get them, and God said otherwise. So they got them, and so they are joining that group tonight. So uh, they're really excited about that. And you plan for something for so long, you plan for it, and then you do something, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and then it just doesn't work out. You get very discouraged, and uh, they were at that point, but they never gave up, and so they're joining that team. So uh, kind of cool. So yesterday, they did, um, they did Ignite Sports and Arts, um, and it was phenomenal out there. It was great. Then last night, they had an awards banquet, and Pastor Tim had the opportunity to share the gospel, um, and 12 kids got saved last night in Brazil. Isn't that cool? 12 kids. Um, and then uh, today they're feeding 500 in the favelas, which is um, is under the what the under overpass or whatever there. So uh, kind of straight street style, and so they're going to do that. And then they have church on Sunday nights there. So Pastor Tim will be able to preach tonight at that church. And um, I could talk a long time about just the stuff that Tim has already communicated with me. They left Friday. They got there Saturday, and. Uh, he sent me a picture that's so cool, and uh, it's, there's a, well, half of it's cool, the other half is not, but there's churches that face each other, and he said, it blows my mind every year I come here, and they haven't been in four and a half years, one church is completely, like, dead, I mean, like, dormant, and then right across the street is the church that we partner with, and it is 110% alive and active and well, and he said, it's absolutely amazing the difference between the two, literally the difference between the two, right across the street, same opportunities, and that's what happens. And so um, let's just pray for them this week. Let's pray that God does some amazing things through that group. It's been four and a half years. And let's be honest, they're basically in a communist country now. And so what they're going to go up against and what's happening there could be really bad. Um, or it could be really good. And so uh, we just need to pray for their safety and all that stuff today. So Anyway, um, anybody here last week? Were you here last week? You saw Pastor Tad. Um, you listen to the podcast? Yeah, my wife called me instantly, and she, uh, she chastised me, and then I had to explain the beginning story, and so I'm in the clear now. So it's good for those of you that prayed for me. I appreciate that. Um, if you didn't listen to the podcast, uh, we had the opportunity to share just some fun stuff um, about childhood and growing up. But it's, um, it's interesting because as we've been walking through this never-ending story, it's so cool just what God has been doing and how God has been working. And so we have the opportunity to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, slash Israel. And then today I get the opportunity to share with you Joseph. 
And some of y'all right now, you're like, wow, we're already at the birth of Jesus? (laughs) Different Joseph. (laughs) Different Joseph. Okay? So um, one of the things that I've really just been kind of learning and understanding over the last, I don't know, like last couple weeks, months as we've been doing this, is a lot of the things that I thought and was even kind of taught growing up about some of these stories is completely different when you truly get into it. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on Cain and Abel and how the fact of Cain and Abel was not really even about a murder. But yet growing up, that's the only thing you remember from the story. Joseph today, Joseph today, it's, if, if you're not careful, you'll read Joseph and you'll think it's all about a dream. Chase your dreams. That's what God wants. Chase them. Whatever you can dream, God will let you do. That's not what the story is, right? Some of you, you you read the story of Joseph like it's your Pinterest board. It's your vision board. Well, God, you have to do it because I dreamed it. That's not the story of Joseph. And what Tim has challenged all of us to do is read the story for the week. Read it over and over and over and over again. And so that's what we've been challenging our team to do. Read the story over and over and over and over again. And then whatever pulls like you in, teach that. And so that's what I get to do today. Now, I only have a certain amount of time, and the story of Joseph is very, very long. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some verses, and then I'm going to fill in some gaps, and then I'm going to take some verses, and we're going to walk through the story of Joseph as best I can up to a point, and then we're going to pause because Pastor Johnny next week gets to end the story and kind of tell you a little bit about what God has been doing in his life as he's been reading. So we're going to start today in Genesis right? In Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 through 4, it says this. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. That's a whole nother issue right there. Wives, plural. Why, how many are thankful you only got one wife? Okay, so Joseph, uh, Jacob had four Four. I can barely handle one. <laughs> Let's go. This man had four. That's not even part of my message. It just, it just blows my mind. Okay, so let's continue. And he brought their father a bad report about them. No wonder they hated him. At 17, he's still a tattletale. I mean, you look at Joseph and you see like the story just started and Joseph, he decides that he's going to tell their dad the bad stuff they did. Anybody have a sibling that did that? They're not your favorite sibling. That's what's going on here. And then it says this, now Israel, who we know is Jacob, the new name, right? Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. So two strikes and we ain't even started. He's a tattletale and he's the favorite. Anybody not the favorite child? Not the favorite child? I'm causing havoc in this room already. It's awesome. Because he had been born to him in his old age. Now, that's not the only reason he was a favorite. I'll pause for a moment and tell you. Of the wives that he had, he had four. 
okay? Joseph was born from his favorite wife. It's his favorite wife because it's the wife that he worked the hardest for. It's Rachel, who he worked 14 years for. So that's part of the reason why he was the favorite, because the mama was the favorite, okay? So you have this, and it says this. So he, so he tattletales. He's his dad's favorite, right? And he made him an ornate robe for him. How many of you know the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors? Yeah. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than anything, they hated him. Well, of course they did. And they could not, this is what blows my mind, they could not speak a kind word to him. So Joseph, right? Joseph is a man that from the very beginning is not liked but hated by his brothers. And on top of that, his daddy buys him a Gucci jacket. So he got this Gucci jacket on, he like, hey, look at my jacket. Now, what's crazy is if you're not careful, you just think it's a, it's a cool jacket. But what the jacket doesn't tell you, what the robe doesn't tell you, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more tomorrow on the podcast with Johnny, but what the jacket doesn't tell you is that the jacket symbolizes privilege. So every time he puts on the jacket, it's actually he's walking around telling everyone, I am privileged. I am the favorite. It's a jacket that they say went all the way to the ground and went all the way to his wrist. It was a jacket that was of many colors. And what the many colors represent is it's not a working man's jacket. It's a supervisor jacket. So when you wear a jacket like that, the jacket says who you are and what you don't do. So Joseph walks around with this jacket that was given to him. And when he walks around with this jacket that was given to him, he's just flaunting, but he's not trying to. It's just, it's just, it's his jacket that his daddy got him. So then we pick up the story and his dad says, hey, go check on your brothers. You gave me a report one time. Now it's time to do it again. So we pick up in the next 3717. It says, so Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance the brothers. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Sucker, bring it. Well, Reuben, who happens to be the oldest, heard this. He tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. So in your head, you're thinking, how did we get here? Well, a big part of the story that's, that's not the focus of my story, but the way we got there is because before he went out, not only did he have his father's favoritism, not only did he tattle on him, not only did he have a robe, but before he went out, they called him a dreamer. Why'd they call him a dreamer? Because he had this dream. He had two of them. He had these two dreams. He'd go to sleep. While he's dreaming, he says, brothers, listen to this. So I had this dream the other night, and all you was bowing to me. It's crazy. 
It's nuts. I mean, like we were all building these wheat piles and then they all stood up and all of a sudden mom's in the middle and y'all had yours and you all bowed down. Ain't that cool? Then to make matters worse, he had another dream. This brother needs to stop going to sleep. His second dream is sun, moon, and stars. It involves his mom and dad. So he goes to his daddy and says, daddy, listen to this. I had this dream. There was a sun, there were moon, and there were 11 stars. Guess what? They all worshiped me. Y'all like that? You know, when I read this story, I think Joseph needed a journal. Because some stuff you don't need to say out loud. (laughs) Would would he have been the bottom of a hole, a well, if he had had a journal? But he didn't. So he just started sharing. Now, it never says Joseph knew about these dreams. He didn't know what it meant. He just knew what happened. Well, when he shares it, his brothers hate him. So because of only one brother, he's alive. If it wasn't for this guy, they would have just killed him. They throw him in in a pit. So you can imagine as he's laying in this pit, thinking, what happened? What, 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 why am I in this hole? Because I, I told him about my dream? Because I have a Gucci jacket? Like, what got me here? Well, then all of a sudden, because they said, let's not kill him, when Reuben was away, Judah had this idea, this other brother, let's sell him. So here comes a caravan of Ishmaelites, and they're headed to Egypt. So they go into this, 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 this predicament where they're like, let's make some money on this, bro. So they sell him. The favorite son is now a slave. When they take him to Egypt, this guy by the name of Potiphar purchases him from the caravan. And this is where we pick up. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So here Potiphar purchases Joseph. Joseph becomes a slave to Potiphar. And now all of a sudden everything Joseph does is good. Every, so Potiphar loves this guy. I mean, this is like the greatest thing in the world. Potiphar says, wow, I need, I, this is, my house is in order. My house is great. Everything it touches, he says he prospered. Potiphar had a wife. Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and he, she thought he was kind of good looking. And she wanted him. Not like wanted him, but like, you know, like wanted him, you know? So she waits until everybody leaves and she says, I got it. So she lures Joseph in. She begins to tell Joseph what her plan is. And Joseph all of a sudden realizes what's going on. And it says, Joseph flees, takes off runs, gets away. And you can imagine that Potiphar's wife standing there as he walks, runs away, she gets ticked. I mean, she is livid. So she says, ain't no slave going to treat me like that. So she has a plan and she says, now I'm going to go tell Potiphar 
a story. She says to Potiphar, he came on to me. He tried to get me. He wanted me. And then Potiphar's response goes like this. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, verse 21, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Think about this for a moment. Joseph is thrown in prison because of something he did not do. But yet his response to the situation was such a response that the warden loved him. Loved him. And so while he is in prison, Pharaoh throws some other people in prison. And the two people that he throw in prison is a baker and a cupbearer. And so you can imagine because Joseph was one of the favorites in prison, he wasn't shackled to a wall tucked in a corner. I don't know where he was, but he was obviously in a room with other people. And you can imagine that when these, these, this baker and this cupbearer, see, they start to have a dream. And they have this dream, and so they're talking to each other about this dream. And when they're talking to this other about the dream, they begin to say this out loud. And, and, and Joseph pipes in, he says, well, you had a dream? Well, do you know who the, the greatest interpreter of all dreams are? And he doesn't say me. He says God. Is God not the interpreter of dreams? And I know this God. Tell me your dream and let's see what God says about your dream. So the baker and the cupbearer, they tell Joseph their dream. Good news for one, not so much for the other. Joseph interprets this dream. And he says, hey, this is what's going to happen. Baker, you gone. You dead. But cupbearer. You are going to be restored to your original position. You can imagine that, that these guys are like, are you, are you sure? Are you serious? What, what, what are you? Joseph says, hey, this is my interpretation through God of your dream. Look what happens. He says he restored Pharaoh, restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker. Just as Joseph had said to him, to them in his interpretation, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. The next chapter says this. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. I'm going to pause on the story because Johnny's going to share with you a little bit about that dream. And how God worked in that dream. But this morning, when I, when I read and, I, and I, I study and I see this story, you know, like I said, it was always to me growing up, it was always about a coat. It was always about a dream. It was always those things when I talked about Joseph, when people taught me about Joseph. It was all about those things. But what I began to realize is that when I was reading this, what was hitting me was not about a coat. It was not about the dreams that he had. Another word continued to flood into my brain, and that word was the word affliction. Affliction. It seemed like Joseph, no matter what he did, he faced affliction. I mean, like the thing that came upon him, the suffering that came upon him, 
And I look at those, that, those, those things and I see it. When I see Joseph, I see a man that faced so much affliction. And I mean like big ones. And so I begin to ask myself, okay, what is it in Joseph's life that I can relate to my life? What is it that I can learn from his life on how he did things? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about the afflictions of Joseph. Because I believe in a room this size with people watching online, there are many of us that are suffering or have suffered the same afflictions that Joseph suffered. So this morning, I want to share with you three afflictions that Joseph had. Three afflictions that Joseph had. The first affliction that, that he faced was Joseph was rejected. He was rejected. I don't know about you, but if, if you've ever been rejected, you may know what that feels like. Some of you, when I say the word rejection, your brain automatically goes to a place. Some of you, you, you walk through rejection after rejection after rejection. Some of you, you've been rejected by your boss. You've been rejected for a promotion that you think you deserved. You've been rejected by friends because of a stance or a, a, a belief. Some of you, you've been rejected by, by family. Some of you have been rejected by a spouse. You've been rejected by your children. When we say the word rejection, everybody that hears my voice right now, you go to a place in your brain. I think the craziest thing about this is Joseph was rejected by the people that were supposed to be the closest to him. He was actually accepted by Potiphar. He was accepted by the prison warden, but yet his own brothers rejected him. And you know, what's crazy is when we look at the story of Joseph and we see what he dreamed about, you know, Joseph didn't know what his dream truly meant. I mean, he knew that like the brothers bowed down, but he didn't understand the path. And so you can imagine when he was, when, when, when he was in the bottom of that well, when he was in that hole, I mean, I don't think they asked him to jump in. They probably beat him a little bit before. They had to take his jacket off of him. They ripped that off of him. I mean, you, you, you can imagine what he was walking through. And then they threw him in. And when he hit the bottom, I'm not sure what hurt worst. Hitting the bottom of the well or knowing that the people that threw you there were your brothers that rejected you. And you were just trying to do what your daddy said. When we say rejection, you think something. And what I've learned in my life is that every time I'm rejected, I believe, looking back, that those, that rejection was nothing more than redirection. Amen. What I thought was going to happen and then it was rejection. In reality, looking back, I just see it was God redirecting. 
Some of you, you've been praying for a promotion. You've been praying for a position. You've been praying for it and praying for it, and you get rejected every time. And you begin to ask yourself the question, why? What is wrong with me? And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's not rejection. It could just be redirection. God's just trying to direct that. He's trying to redirect what you think your life was going to look like. He's just trying to redirect it to what he wants for it. But when we face this affliction, it hurts. Joseph felt, felt it deep in his soul, the rejection. The second affliction that I, I, I see is Joseph was falsely accused. You ever been accused of something that you didn't do? I mean, you ever been accused of being somebody that you're not? Or thinking something that you didn't think? And so now there's a group of people that don't like you. They hate you. They can't say a kind word about you. But they're basing everything on something that's not even true about you. I talked to a lady after the first service. She's literally starting a new job because she was falsely accused. She said, pray for me. They were throwing arrows at me that were not true. What's crazy to me about Joseph when he was falsely accused, you know, it never says he defended himself. It's never written. But Potiphar, but Potiphar, but what you got to just, it never says that. One of the things that I never see Joseph do is complain or grumble. What I've learned is that when people falsely accuse you of something, and you try to dodge the arrows. I mean, like, look at Joseph. Joseph fleed. Like, he didn't stick around. He left. And yet, as he was walking out the door, the arrows kept coming. I've learned this truth. What God knows about me is infinitely more important than what others say or think about me. Amen. And some of us, we live our entire life trying to defend ourselves to people that do not care about us, that do not love us, that do not want what is best for us. And we spend all of our time and energy defending what people are saying or thinking about us. And let me tell you something right now. What God knows about you is infinitely more important than what people say or think about you. Amen. The problem is too many people, we live our lives the opposite. We believe what people say or think about us is infinitely more important than what God knows about us. Oh, I know God knows that, but did you hear what they said about me? And there's a peace that can come over you when you rely on the truth that God knows. God knows. I know what people say. I know what people think, but God knows. Joseph was rejected, he was falsely accused, and then lastly, he was forgotten. Whew. 
grace and peace. <laughs> Think about this for a moment. Forgotten. The worst feeling in the world is not loneliness. It's being forgotten by someone you love. Think about that for a moment. Something's happening because somebody right in this room is struggling right here. And they're trying to distract you from this feeling right here. Some of you are running from the forgotten feeling. Somebody in this room right now, the moment that word went on the screen, God was trying to tell you he's talking to you. And they're trying to distract you. Because some of you right now, this quote right here, this is what you need to resonate with. Because at the end of the day, some of you, you feel so lonely. And you're trying to fill the gaps in your life because you're lonely. I chase this because I'm lonely. If I get this, I won't be lonely. If I get this, if I, if I go with that guy, or if I go with that girl, if I do this, if I drink that, if I go here, if I, I'm chasing it because I'm trying to fill the loneliness in my life. Loneliness is not your problem. The problem is you cannot cope with the fact you've been forgotten. And there's no worse feeling in the world than being forgotten. Some of you, you feel forgotten by your family. You feel forgotten by your friends. You feel forgotten by God. And you, the reason why you feel forgotten by God is because you think, if God really loved me, he would not let these things happen to me. Therefore, he must have forgotten about me. I'm trying to do what God has called me to do. I'm trying to be who God has called me to be. I'm walking the path that I think God has laid out for me. I'm not grumbling. I'm not complaining. But it seems like God is not there. And some of you right now, you struggle with being forgotten. And the Bible says very clearly, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Our God is not a God that will forget you. Amen. Rejected, falsely accused, forgotten. That's the story of Joseph. And I believe for somebody hearing my voice this morning, that's your story. You're facing affliction on every side. And you are about to give up. Because you just can't take it anymore. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we will face affliction in life. Amen. Some of you are facing an affliction. My question to you is, what affliction are you facing but how are you reacting to it? I'll tell you a story I didn't tell in the first service. My walking sermon illustration, my six-year-old, he, um, he had field day on Friday. And a valuable lesson came out of field day. Michelle volunteered, my wife volunteered at field day. And she texted me, she said, JJ is ticked. I said, how can you tell? She said he's standing there and his fists are like this and they're by his side and he just gets this look on his face like I'm going to destroy something. I mean, that's just, I love it. Michelle hates it. I love it. I like that fire. 
Got to harness it, but I like it. So he's standing there, Michelle's like, I don't know what happened. So come to find out, this kid called him a loser. I said, did you lose? He said, no, I didn't even lose. I said, what'd you do? He said, I had to get payback. My six-year-old. I said, quit hanging out with PJ, okay? (laughs) So um, I said, what do you mean payback? He said, I had to pay her back for how she made me feel. I said, what did you do? He said, I called her a loser. Michelle stands back. She goes, you take this one. <laughs> she actually didn't. She said, she said what are we going to do? I said, it's very simple. I said, JJ, you know the greatest payback you can give her when she calls you a loser? And he's like, he's, he's, yeah, dad, tell me. I said, the greatest payback you can give her is to walk away. He said, what does that do? I said, it shows to her she don't bother you. He said, well, I did it first, but then she came in front of me and she said it again. I said, JJ, she could say it every step you take. If you ignore it, I said, that's the best payback you could ever give. Because what she says about you does not define who you are. The payback is, shh, don't say nothing. Oh man, he loved it. I showed him a video on YouTube of LeBron James. And I'm, I'm not a LeBron hater. He's not the greatest basketball player ever, but that's a sermon for another day. But there's a story where Lance Stevenson an opponent was playing LeBron and he trash talked him the whole game. Towards the end of the game, LeBron has got his hands on his knees and Lance Stevenson literally walks over to him and he blows in his ear. And this is what LeBron James does. And JJ said, he didn't respond. I said, JJ, he didn't respond. And that made Lance so much matter. Now, I tell you all this to say this. We're all going to face affliction. For my six-year-old, it was someone calling him a loser. We don't have to pay back. Because if we're infinitely more concerned with what God knows about us, we don't care what people say about us. We don't care what people think about us. I am not seeking the approval of man. I am seeking the approval of my God. And when the afflictions come, how you respond to them is so important. I keep coming back to two verses. 39.2, what does it say? The Lord was with Joseph. In Potiphar's house, in the middle of that issue, the Lord was with Joseph. In prison, the Lord was with him. You never see Joseph grumble or complain, ever, And I believe it's because he knew that the Lord was with him. When you focus on your affliction and you don't focus on God, that's where the trial and the tribulations collide. Joseph waited 13 years from the time he had the dream to the time God put him in the position he ultimately dreamed about. 
13 years, he waited and waited. He waited in a well. He waited in Potiphar's house. He waited in prison. He waited. And what I've learned is this, and this is a great quote from a man named Charles Stanley. It says this, our willingness to wait reveals the value replace on what it is we are waiting for. Let me say that again. Our willingness to wait reveals the value we place on what it is we are waiting for. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, you are in the waiting process. And I'm telling you today, embrace the wait. Embrace it. The dream that God gave you may not look like you thought it was going to look. The journey to the dream may be different than it looks or you thought it looked, but you have to be willing to wait. And the more you are willing to wait, the more value you have on what it is to come. Some of you, you're pressing the process. You're pressing the process. You're pressing the process. You have to be willing to wait. Joseph taught me three things. Three things about his affliction. Because when you're willing to wait, what do you do while you wait? Three things that I believe we do while we wait. The first is we must continue to walk with God. Don't pause. Just walk. But I don't know where it's taken me. I've been rejected. No, you've just been redirected. You got to continue to walk. The second thing is this. You must continue to be a witness for God. Joseph, when he was in prison and they said, he said, let me tell you who can interpret your dream. It ain't me, it's him. He speaks through me. Let me tell you about the God of dreams, the witness that Joseph had. And then the third thing is this, we must continue to worship. We must continue to worship. Why? I don't feel like it. You don't understand. I've learned this truth, and somebody, this is for you this morning. Even in the waiting, God is working. I don't see God working. God is working in your wait. God is working in your wait. You're waiting on the the breakthrough. I've always said, don't bail before the breakthrough. Some of you have thrown in the towel. You're facing the affliction. You're facing the trials. You're facing it. You've been rejected. You've been falsely accused. You literally, you've been forgotten. You feel like you serve a forgotten God. God's forgot me. I'm telling you something. He's working. He's working. He's working. God's working. He's not forgotten you. He's working. You're waiting, but he's working. You're waiting, but he's working. Continue to walk. Just walk. Just walk with him. Witness to him. People are going to say, how can you serve a God that's forgotten you? My God ain't forgotten me. He's not forgotten me. I'm just walking. I'm waiting and I'm walking. I'm waiting and I'm walking. That's all I'm doing. You know what? I'm going to worship. It's going to be hard because I'm worshiping out of a place of pain, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to worship. God called me to worship. I don't know what my dream, how it's going to be fulfilled. I don't know my journey, but I tell you, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to walk. I'm going to worship. I'm going to walk. I'm going to witness. I'm just going to walk. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Walk with God. Wait on God. And I want to leave you with this one thing. God gave this to me and I thought it was so pressing. Because maybe the place that you find yourself in 
It's actually preparing you for the position he ultimately has for you. The well was preparing. Potiphar's house was preparing. Prison was preparing for the position that God ultimately has for you. Pastor Johnny's going to speak on that position that he was elevated to. And you know, the, the, the crazy thing is Joseph was waiting. He lived a life of waiting, 13 years of waiting. But yet when you look at his father, his father did the exact opposite. His father tried to take the position before he was ready for the position. So his father said, I know my place. I'm going to go take my place. And because of what his father did, when he elevated himself to a position that God had for him, instead of waiting for, to be prepared for the position that God wanted for him, do you know that when Jacob goes before Pharaoh, when Israel goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh talks to Israel, talks to Jacob, do you know that Jacob says, I have been miserable all my years? because he had no peace, because he was not ready for the position that God was going to put him in. So because he placed himself in the position, what he removed was a peace of God. And so God is preparing you for the place and the position that he has for you. And if you let him give it to you, you will have peace when you find the position. But if you put yourself in the place, in the position, and you don't allow God to prepare you, you will have no peace. Some of you are walking this life with no peace because you're putting yourself in a position that God has for you. Let God do that in his timing, with his strength. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about him. Would you pray with me? God, today there's somebody in this room, there's somebody watching online, God, that feels afflicted. And God, we don't know what that affliction is, but God, they, they, they see it. And God, I pray that they see you more than they see their affliction. God, we know that every person in this room, God, you want to elevate to a position for your glory. And so, God, I pray that the place that we find ourselves in, we will allow to prepare us for that position. God, I pray for peace in the wait. God, I pray that collectively as a church, we will walk with you. We will witness of you. And God, we will worship you while we wait. Thank you, God, for what you've done before you've even done it. May we rely on you. May we chase you. May we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.